What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the Paranormies. I'm Johnny Monoxide, and tonight I'm joined by Dogbot. What's up, dude? Oh, not much, man. It's easy to find a chupacabra if he's gotten away from you in the snow. You just follow that trail of chicken blood all the way around to where that bush is, and then you'll find the sneaky little bastard right there. All right. There you go. And uh, also joined by Reinhard von Krieger. What's happening? Not much. Um, really, I just got to say it. My son is now standing up for more than like three seconds at a time, and it's the cutest thing ever. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. It's a great feeling. All right. Oh, yes. Yes. And also over in the corner, taking notes like a good little boy, Jack the intern. What's up, kid? I am now Jack the grift turn. <laughs> wow. Nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, man. It is a... Uh, it is a good, it is, it's, it's the weekend. I really dig this song, man. It's like, I want to listen to it again. I really, really, really like this, this season's intro music. And I'm not just saying that because FEMA camp band leader is, is my friend. No, it's, that's a kick-ass song. Gets me hype. You guys hype? Awesome. You, guys, you guys hype? Yeah, you Fe ready for the show? FEMA camp band leader uh, asked me if the icicle that was extending from a broken ceiling all the way to someone's kitchen floor picture that I put in the chat. He asked me what the Q angle of the uh, icicle was. That was that was nice. He's a funny, he asked funny me if guy. it was a man or a woman. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, you never know. It could have been an ice, like an, an ice gin, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about gin. Ice. An ice wound. An ice wound. An ice. Stop. <laughs> 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 all right. Well. It is the weekend. Uh, welcome to, yes, welcome to the Paranormies. Uh, if you are listening to this, you probably heard, or at least downloaded, the Around the Campfire that we released yesterday. Uh, Reinhardt and Matteo El Distillero. And Jack, you weren't there for the first one, were you? No, he got nope. nabbed by Faye. Ah. Yeah. All right. I got got. All right, well. Speaking of God, God's going to be here later. Um, but yeah, Around the Campfire came out. It was a smashing success. I listened to most of it last night. It's good stuff. I like it. Uh, yes, make sure you send in your stories, your spoopy stories, spooky tales, UFO stories, whatever. Uh, your girlfriend got carried off by Bigfoot. Tell us about it. And that is, uh, what's the email again, Jack? It is uh, paranormiescampfire at gmail.com. That is correct. Paranormiescampfire at gmail.com. There will be another one coming out. We might do them once a month, might do them twice a month, you know, but it's on the website, paranormies.com, and our telegram, which is t.me slash the paranormies present, which has a lot of our content on there. All right, uh, real quick, knock out one order of business. We got a the, the grifters here. We we grifted ourselves a twenty dollar donation, guys, from PW, and he says, "Hey guys, when are those Chupacabra Wendigo mashup T-shirts hitting the presses?" It is an it is a, it is a comment about us grifting even harder. Yes, we are going to grift so hard with these T-shirts. Uh, no, we've got shirts coming up. I messaged our guy. He has five designs, so there will be five designs so far and it will be up on dissident apparel slash paranormies.com i believe or paranormies dissident apparel.com slash paranormies i think that's how it goes but it's soon tm all right ah 
Yes, and our guest has joined us from all the way across the pond. First thing in the early, early morning, back for his second appearance, Got Ancient Wisdom. What's happening, man? Not much. You all right? Right on. I know it's early it's, and you're just waking up and we're excited. And yeah. Yeah, it's, t- <laughs> it's 2 a.m. Oh, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, 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 it's good. It's good. It's all right. I've had some sleep. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Everyone all right? Is everyone okay? Oh, yes, oh yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm doing great, except for yeah. this cold. Yes. Oh, you're yeah, still You've sad. got a cold, or you've got a cold, or a cold weather, which... Oh, we got hit with a weather weapon here in Texas this week. Oh, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Punished, getting punished. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> speaking on that real quick, um, the fact that the Biden administration and Jen Psaki and the and crew even had to address the fact that people were saying that Biden used weather weapons to manipulate the weather, you know, to punish Sorry, Trump supporters. Say that again. They they, they acknowledged that yeah. the weather weapons. They, well, no, they acknowledged that, quote, conspiracy theorists think so. Which is huge in and of itself. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. right. Why say it? Right. It's exactly. It's a crazy conspiracy theory. Ex- exactly. Exactly. It's, it's like every day, <laughs> the regular so news cool. is the paranormies. You know, it's like I can't turn on the news without which I don't. But I mean, I can't look at the news on a website without it being something paranormies related. Yeah, it's like even the guys that uh, guys over at that satire website, Babylon B, um, <laughs> they even put out something out like we're we're not even doing satire anymore. That's just this is just the world now. No, nope. they, they have a new site. It's called Not the Bee. It's literally it's this Babylon B, but it's real. It's all they're like, we don't have to. This is real. And it's absolutely insane because real life you know, is funnier than the satire we can write. So here you go with the, re- yeah, it's real. Um, so yeah, so weather weapons are still hitting Texas. Uh, and apparently the snow doesn't melt. It, it like, uh, it blackens. <laughs> Have you seen yes, the videos? That's, yeah. Yes. Yeah, saw that. But, but, but dude, this is like that crazy, crazy conspiracy stuff, man. No, no but it's really not. It's like, but it's all over. It's all over social media, and of course, we know that social media is mostly fake and gay. But these are real people. I don't know. Do you think? Do you guys really think that the snow is fake? That they're really putting chemicals in the snow, or like, what do you what do you guys think about that? Uh, they put chemicals in everything. There's microplastics in everything. I mean, there's it's it's inescapable. It's it's a feature of being an industrial society. But on top of that, they additionally add shit to it. So it's not, there's not even just the industrial byproduct aspect of it. There's the, uh, intentional additives. And, uh, I'm just going to say like the week before this weather, uh, hit us, the chemtrails were out of fucking control. They were just like crisscross, crisscross, crisscross. Like, Oh Wow. I wonder what the fuck they're doing. You know, <laughs> that is weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, at it's this like point, that. it's like, it's not even like, don't eat the yellow snow. It's literally don't touch the snow. <laughs> it's getting to that point. Um, we have had just, we're on like the outskirts of, of the, the weather and we're just like getting nasty, like fog and rain constantly. And it's not able to dry up. Everything's just mud and muck where I'm at. So, I'm pretty much like, what are you doing in my swamp? Around where I live. 
but yeah, um, awful scary about the stuff that's going on there in Texas with the weather. I mean, a lot of people still without power, a lot of people without water. Uh, I've seen the videos of livestock frozen to death, like from Mexico all the way up. Um, you know, again, the, the thing with the wheat, we talked about that on the midweek show last week. Real shit. Weather weapons are real. All right. Uh, we took, mm. care, we took care of business. We took care of the Biden thing. Was there any other, was there any order of actual news that we needed to get to before the weekend's over? Um, not really. I mean, we have that, uh, that fun little Google translate thing going on, but, uh, we can always mention that at the very end if we want to, cause I'm still not sure what to make of it. That's crazy. Yeah. We'll talk about that in the end. All right, cool. Yeah. So yeah, let's just get to content then. Cool. We have got ancient wisdom back on with us. Uh, we're going to talk about Neanderthals again. This is the N word part. What are we on? Three or four? It's three. I think, I think, I think three. I think so, yeah. Horus was part one. Yep, two, three. Okay, cool. This is part three. And we're going to discuss a good bit of Michael Bradley's books. Michael Bradley wrote The Iceman Inheritance, Prehistoric Sources of Western Man's Racism, Sexism, excuse me, and Aggression, and his other book, Chosen People from the Caucasus. Jewish origins, delusions, deceptions, and historical role in slave trade, genocide, and cultural colonization. Uh, the Neanderthal thing plays into this, too. So, we're basically going to do the Jews or Neanderthals bit again, right? Yes. All right. And then, got, um, you've, you, I mean, you're very familiar with Michael Bradley's stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. Yeah. I mean, I. I, I see where he's. I see what he's getting at, but um, I just think there's like maybe a slight nuance to it. But yeah, we'll we'll get into it later on. Anyway. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So where do we want to start? I mean, like, because people have, you know, a lot of people have talked about. We have, you know, that the that the Jews are descendants from the Neanderthals. Uh, Horace believes that there was a hybridization that took place. Um, that stands theory as well, right? The hybrid theory. Yeah. 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 Um, it's yeah, it's, but it's sort of slightly, you know, different to both of their ideas. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, essentially, it's a, it's, a, it's a, yeah, we're 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 a we're a everyone's a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, different variations. I have a question for all this stuff. What about people that don't necessarily believe in evolution? How does this work? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, this is, you have to believe in evolution to believe that this is even a thing. Well, uh, it, it depends what, what type of evolution you believe in, because there's, there's actually, there's two types of evolution. So there's, um, what they call punctuated equilibrium and then, slow gradual change so um classical darwinian evolution is more along the lines of slow gradual change so it's look like uh, uh, you know and, and the and the successes of darwin such as mm-hmm. dawkins in that they're about small changes that then after you know a long period of time amount to something completely different um but punctuated equilibrium says that there's 
you know, a sort of immediate change and then nothing and then an immediate change. And so you can have a a break of a long period of time before the next change happens. So the, the hybrid origin theory is, is a, um, more along the lines of the, the sort of punctuated equilibrium in that there's no, there doesn't have to be, um, any form of evolution as such. It's just that when the hybrids, when, when two, two of two, two different types come together, they create a new type immediately out of the hybrid event. So, um, you, you could, you could, you could be, you know, um, you could still be religious and and there's no reason why that would i mean it's in the bible they talk about hybrid events and there are hybrids hybrids are perfectly acceptable to to bible you know to to people who read the bible there's lots of hybrids throughout the bible there's all stories about people making hybrids there's the the sons of gods and the daughters of the earth oh i believe Somebody just woke <laughs> Reinhardt up. Uh, <laughs> oh man, no, that's 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 Reinhardt's bread and butter right there. You said you all, you didn't say the word, but Reinhardt heard Nephilim. And I tried, I tried not to, I tried not to say it. I know, I know. Well, I was, I came into this trying not to say anything, and then I was skimming back through the book, and oh man, there's ah, yeah, it's yeah. unavoidable. Michael, certain aspects. Well, you can, yeah, if you can't avoid the Nephilim question, it's amazing how many different subjects the nephilim comes up especially well, um, with, for, with this for audience clarification uh we read we went over two books by michael bradley he's got a lot of books but uh, the two books we went over was the iceman inheritance and chosen people from the caucus and uh you know one of my main takeaways from the iceman inheritance is how terrible the cover illustration is of a hand gripping a rock and blood dripping from it oh yeah i guess the i guess the illustration was considered so terrible they just decided to go with uh bold text uh uh for chosen people from the caucus which is considered the sequel right it's it's interesting but yes the uh the iceman inheritance the takeaway i got is that uh white people are bad we think with our peepee and brown people are always better than us because they don't have sexual dimorphism Right. One of my main takeaways was the uh, uh, he said that the hot and tot apron was considered an evolutionary advancement. Now, when you say hot and tot apron, you mean like actual like piece of cloth that they wear around themselves? Uh, no, I mean uh, this particular ethnicity's uh, vaginal protrusions. I just wanted to get you to say that. <laughs> Oh, oh, it's a serious topic, but we're going to we're going to shitpost our way through it. No, um, what's serious is the sound that it must make like and uh, the smell it gives. All right. And, uh, all right. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Weather. I'm we sorry. I'm sorry. We actually mean shitpost. Right. OK, so. How does Neanderthal. So Neanderthal is supposedly the good guy. No, no, no. Wait. He says that white men descended from Neanderthals, right? And that's why white men are bad because Neanderthals are violent. Is that it's been so long? We were supposed to do this months ago, and I really spent a lot of time rereading the Chosen People this time. Um, I don't remember. Honestly, don't remember because I got so pissed off reading this book because it's all like anti-white, like anti everything's anti-white. Um, you know, the white people invented rape. Basically, we invented all the bad things that have to do with sex. 
you know, and it's all about our uh, in, um, inadequacy at sex, which is why we're so angry and why we're always killing people. Uh, apparently, it's because, you know, we're real bad at the sex. That's what this is all about. Hmm. Yeah, it's... um. In, in, it, so, so my way of looking at it would be that the, that, the, the, the everybody is a, everybody is a hybrid, um, and that um, people who project onto Neanderthal are uh, actually just in complete denial of their Neanderthal side, and mm. they, they use that to, to demonize other people. Okay. Yeah, it's just another this 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 whole thing of like blaming um being a Neanderthal as part of the what led to our aggression, you know. Um it can't be denied that, that white people have got that white people haven't it's not that they've got more aggression, it's that their their aggression is is more uh directed and it's it's they're better at controlling their aggression. Focus. And so a lot a, a lot of our um a lot of our greatest achievements have been about directing our aggression in a proper way mm -hmm. because there's nothing wrong with aggression. Aggression is actually really useful. Um, but we, uh, uh, at the moment there's almost like a war on aggression. If you look at, um, feminism and, and the sort of the current anti-white agenda, it's, it's like a war on aggression. Um, so they're, they're they're trying to sort of curb aggression. So they try and they try and get young young boys to not play war and stuff like that. You know. So they're trying to sort of um, retrain their aggression drive. But actually, mm -hmm. that's our strongest drive as mm -hmm. Europeans, and it's probably because we have a a, a greater um, proportion of of Cro-Magnon rather than of Neanderthal. I would say that's that's what it is. Is that Neanderthal is. Neanderthal isn't the aggressive side. That Cro-Magnon is the aggressive side, but it's not aggression in the way that it's bad aggression. Aggression is is not a bad thing. Um, it's like I say, the driving force behind all of our greatest achievements. Mm -hmm. you know, everything is really about directing aggression. It's how uh, it's used. That's right. Yeah. Right. One of the things that I think that people um, that you know the enemies of say. Uh, fascism despise about fascism is that it's not shy about about discussing aggression if you read the doctrine of fascism is it's mm -hmm. actually just a glorification of aggression and uh whereas the the way that the enemies of fascism would prefer the world to be run is that you don't ever see their aggression is that it's hidden you know it's sort of shadow the aggression's in, a sh in, in the shadow, so you never see it. You're, you're led to believe that there is no aggression in the world, but actually they're sort of channeling it in, in a really particular direction that you don't really see the aggression, but it's actually a very, very oppressive system that's you know run with the... The aggression is in the shadow, whereas with, with say, European, traditional European society, aggression is in the, is in the forefront and the, and the more sort of Neanderthal characteristics are in the shadow. Well, neo neoliberalism at, at its core is wholly dishonest because it, it, you know it's it's not even carrot and stick. It's it's like we're we're promising you this fantasy world utopia, but meanwhile we're going to try to convince your kid to chop his dick off. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know know what like analogy you could make. A carrot and stick is at least like, you know, simple enough to <laughs> to understand. This is really weird. Um and it's, it's kind it's of carrot and it's more like a carrot and a knife. That's what they're yeah. That's what it's a carrot and a knife and a whole lot of other stuff. Like and, and they're threatening to cut the carrot off rather yes. than <laughs> Yes. Oh man. That's such a sad, sad thing that they get mm. into that. Uh, and speaking of feminism, uh Dogbot this is like a little pre not preview, but uh, I don't know. You got us another interview coming up, didn't you? Well, Speaking of feminism. I'm I'm working on an I'm working on getting us an interview. Oh, okay. uh, I, I am truly fascinated with the turf phenomenon, the trans exclusionary rea- uh, radical feminist mm-hmm. phenomenon, and there it was brought to my attention uh, a young Canadian uh, YouTuber turf who is very articulate and well-spoken and has faced the brunt of being, of having her art be canceled, having her t-shirts be removed from Etsy and uh, a wealth of death threats from uh, people who are confused about what sex they are. Right. And uh, basically one of the one of the most interesting aspects of the way that a turf refutes what is going on with the transgender industrial complex is that there are men pretending to be women and if that wasn't bad enough for women that are actually women they say that they're better at being women than actual women and they're just pretty put off by they're 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 put off by it, and they don't understand why other people aren't as put off as they are. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be fun. Um, I can't. I watched. I have to. I watched like thirty five seconds of one of the videos. I was prepping for this. Uh, this was sprung on us this week. No, you're gonna work on that. I will watch more of her videos. It sounds very interesting. Uh, a long time ago, good friend of mine, Mr. Mitch Hoob. Uh, mentioned the alt-right turf alliance and uh, it's a very strange alliance but apparently it's a real thing uh, turfs are interesting it's a, it is an interesting phenomenon uh, it's, it's very interesting because feminists are usually you know all about the you know the the new women and the trans women and whatever but uh, not these turfs so yeah hopefully we can get her on and we'll pick her brain and see if she knows anything about cue angles and stuff well, slightly slightly related to the turf phenomenon is, is there is an app that is a you know like the lesbian version of uh, Tinder or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and it Grindr. is now eighty five. No, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't remember what it was called, but uh, apparently, it's getting up to eighty to eighty five percent are really dudes that think they're chicks. No, those those see here's here's where I'm gonna say you're wrong. They don't think they're chicks. They think they're gonna get laid this way. Excuse me. <clears throat> they think they're gonna get laid this way. Is what yeah, happened. Yeah, when you yeah. look at some of these profiles, uh, that's not gonna happen. Well, they for some reason, yeah, they think that they can, uh, you know, become a trans woman and then. They'll score chicks because, you know, lesbianism is hot right now and it's cool to be a lesbian and, you know, trans women are women and I don't know. Anyways, we're, we're getting back into the trans things. Let's go back to the Neanderthal stuff. It's way more fun. Um, 
<laughs> so so does does anyone does anyone want to give like a sort of a sort of synopsis of uh of of Michael Bradley's idea or you know just explain what it is really i think it's probably important to uh do we want to go around the room or uh like my my synopsis of bradley is he is a temporarily embarrassed jewish man that hates all the white people he grew up around and wanted to be considered really cool with uh angry uh black power people who hate white people so he wrote this book iceman inheritance justifying a bunch of spurious archaeological claims about neanderthals to try to to try to paint uh white men as the scum of the earth so he could be cool with blacks <laughs> and so is so is his work where where they get the whole sort of calling um white people cave beasts and all this stuff is that is yes, that, is that, yeah, he's, one, yeah, he's oh, one of those guys. He yeah. feeds it. He feeds right into all the uh, the fake histor- a historical black nationalist propaganda, where uh, some some Nubian guy dressed up like King Tut uh, helps us out of caves and then teaches us math, and then we we turn on him and enslave him, and then claim that we built the pyramids. Like I, I literally, I literally used to work at a place that had what I just described depicted in artistic form on, uh, on a poster. <laughs> it was amazing to look at. It was <laughs> what kind of weird masochistic place did you work at? Uh, I worked at a place that had, that sold, uh, art for your, for your house. And they had a little corner that was called the black section. And in the black <laughs> section, uh, in the black section, they had uh, Renaissance paintings, but they replaced the white people with black people. Oh, I've um, seen those. They also had they also had the Last Supper, but every person at the Last Supper was, was black. a uh, black uh, leader. Yes, and I'm using air quotes because some of them could have just been dads who left to get cigarettes and a lottery <laughs> ticket. And uh, then they had this one uh, that I just described. That was th- that. It, it, this stuff collected dust, but the one I just described. I sold at least three, and I had a I had like the uh, the Pepe smirking grin on my face, like when when they handed me their money for it, because it's like, dude, you're retarded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's hilarious. What, uh, it was one of those like poster shops, basically. I remember that was it, like the late nineties. Those yes. were popular. Yes, I remember those places. Yeah. We also had Ann Gettys. With you know, it was kind of mm-hmm. like. Uh, you know, like child pornography for suburban moms who are, had like little babies dressed up in yeah, uh, like ladybugs and shit. Yeah, but mostly they had like Ansel Adams black and whites hanging up everywhere. I remember those places. Was, oh yeah, 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 we yeah, lots of and Scarface posters was yes. really popular yes. with the uh, uh, <laughs> yes. the the urban with the urban uh, youth. wildlife. Yes, the, oh. the urban wildlife. Yes. Um, which, by the way, in um, in Iceman Inheritance, he talks about Coon's work. And Kuhn uh, believes that um, that everybody except for the Congoloids and the was it the Denzelvins? I, oh, I got I had that page marked. Uh, are are hybrids? You you know got you said that uh, basically everybody's a hybrid. Uh, they he doesn't believe he didn't believe that the Congoloids and 
another race. I have to find it. But they're actually Homo erectus still. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of this stuff, I don't know what to make of it because it doesn't. Like some some of it contradicts itself. I, I I think whenever anybody is putting something like this forward, they're in just a massive denial about themselves. You know, so um, if if you if you examine the the um, skeletons of of um, you know the, the the skeletons that they find the fossil skeletons and all this sort of stuff we don't know how old they are it doesn't actually matter how old they are we just we we know we know what they found we can see a general trend if you, if you do or don't believe in evolution it doesn't matter they found mm-hmm. something we can see a general trend in the in the skeletons and the shapes of the skulls and the measurements inside the skulls and you know the, the capacity inside the skull for the brain and stuff like this um and so we can we can we can see there is some kind of continuation or, or continuity between types. So whether mm. they have whether they've whether they've if if you believe in evolution, they've slowly evolved from from one form to another, or you think that there's um, you know certain types that have always been here and that they've just been uh, cross crossbreeding or hybridizing or whatever. Um, you can see the general trend in Africa and the Far East that the the skeletons are all similar. They've all got lots of similar um, uh, traits, like the eyebrow. You know, the brow ridge is heavy, a heavy brow ridge, which mm-hmm. chim- chimpanzees still have it. All the all the apes still have it. Um, we find all those all those um, fossils still have it going back as far as the, the oldest one, quote unquote, oldest fossil that they find is you know. Um, Lucy or whatever it is, they've still got a heavy brow ridge, and then they've got these the large occipital bun at the back of the the skull, mm-hmm. um, the large eye sockets. You know, so all these things are uh, they continue for a long period of time in in there. You know, if, if you believe in time and all this stuff, I, I, I hate to keep saying it. I, uh, you know, I want to <laughs> I want to cover the bases for the people who don't believe in evolution as well. But mm-hmm. um, but with um, Europeans and, and Cro-Magnon, you find a, a completely different type where not one not one bone in Cro-Magnon's body is the same as as, as the bone of the African um, skeletons, you know. Mm-hmm. So, such as Neanderthal, and and the Neanderthal that we find in Europe is actually a different type of Neanderthal to the other Neanderthals that we find. So we can see a con- a continuity from Africa into the European Neanderthal, which was like a sort of cold weather adapted Neanderthal. Right, so they but call wouldn't... It, they actually call it classical Neanderthal. So there is another type of Neanderthal, and then there's a Neanderthal in the... I'm going to call them Neanderthals. They're Neanderth- Neanderthal types that have these similar structural features, like the, the um, bone spurs at the back of the neck, the occipital bun at the back of the head, uh, the brow ridges, large eyes, you know, all these things are, are, are persistent. Mm-hmm. So what that suggests is that is that that's like a, a successful model, the same as a shark. You know, sharks didn't change or haven't changed. They can find old fossils of sharks. They can find new sharks. They all, all look the same. It's, it's, it was successful. There's no need to change it. Na- nature's expedient. Nature doesn't create um, problems f- for for herself, you know, by 
by making changes that don't need to be made if 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 a change doesn't work it, it doesn't it doesn't stick around um with Cro-Magnon we find a completely different type to all the other types that existed so I don't see how people can um make the claim that that Cro-Magnon came out of Africa because he is completely different structurally to all the other types he has a different different he has smaller eye sockets he has a large chin you know the flat forehead the flat back of the head taller much more gracile looking the bones are not as thick They're, the bones are a lot lot more um sort of lean mm-hmm. you know, and longer and thinner um so that means he he's he's got some another a different origin place that we still haven't really found yet right there's yeah, there's no origin thing. for where uh Cro-Magnon comes from right no but yeah. but what they do tell you is that is that Cro-Magnon isn't around anymore hmm. so that means that something happened to Cro-Magnon the other they 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 don't tell you that he evolved <laughs> they they just say he's not around anymore so right. that means that he was he well, was sort of taken out of the picture by, by something or right. someone. You know, maybe it was or hybridized into something else. There was the yeah, hybrid, so right? Hybridized, or maybe it was something to do with a reset. Also true. <laughs> yes. Well, but he. But the thing is, he could have been responsible for building all of the stone structures that we see all sure. over the place. You know, and then um, these were all sort of inherited. But but the other the other thing is that you find in in all of the giant myths the northern europe um and you do you do find some i'm talking about european giants because there are american giants as well but the european giant myths are all in northern europe so they're all scandinavian or or great britain and then you do find a couple in italy and spain a few a few a few old stories about giants in italy and spain but you, outside of those areas you don't really find many giants you know so um if you can sort of picture a time when there was um, a, Cro-Ma- a Cro-Magnon and, and, and Neanderthal meeting in, in Europe at some point, the the remnants of Cro-Magnon disappear into the into the sort of extremes of Europe, and they, they, they in, in my mind, they become the the giant myths. You know, that's what that's what Cro-Magnon. Cro-Magnon was bigger than than Neanderthal. Neanderthal was a, a manlet compared to but <laughs> well, because they but the thing is that the two of them had completely opposite you know they were completely opposite types one was taller right. and 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 more gracile and the other one is a lot shorter and stockier and and a lot a lot more closer to you know the the sort of what we'd think of as like you know darker and heavier set and more sweaty looking bad like those disgusting neanderthal looking like terrible black sitcom looking people that we see in museums yeah i mean but 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 the but the ones that you see in museums are made to look more repulsive because the people who make them are actually or you know in my opinion the people that that make these these uh images of neanderthals have actually they're trying to make something that repulses themselves you know they've got like an inner because they're because they're in complete denial of their own internal their own sort of uh hybrid nature that they that they create these um these sort of grotesque figures to to express their own you know inner sat in their, their shadow 
And and the other thing is is, is, is that if if we didn't have if we didn't have a little bit of of these of these other beings in us, we wouldn't be repulsed by them. We wouldn't even be bothered by them, you know. So um, when people present a sort of and and Bradley sort of does this is that he presents this this sort of um, antagonism between Europeans and and Jews essentially, you know. <laughs> Um, Europeans are these these really evil people that are sort of out to dominate everything. So what he's actually doing is he's creating a, a sort of a chrome a Cro-Magnon figure from Neanderthal's point of view. So he's so he's so he's presenting an argument that says that Europeans are bad because they they've got Neanderthals in them. But he's he's sort of presenting it in my in, in my opinion he's presenting it from Neanderthal's opinion. That Cro-Magnon is bad because Cro-Magnon is really aggressive and dominates everything, and you know, and, and all of that stuff is true. Right. Um, well, he goes. Cro-Magnon he goes on, did dominate. He goes on to say in Chosen People of the Caucasus that uh, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that had been attributed to, as as the white people's greatest sins like the conquistadors uh he said were uh secret secretly all jewish uh he said you know uh, he goes on to say that the the khazars introduced slavery to europe mm-hmm. and uh amongst you know am- amongst other things i i just uh i i i sensed a lot of schizophrenia from him in the second book exactly. mm. yes and if you've and, ever and that- if you've ever listened to an interview with him, you can barely understand what the guy's talking about. Oh my God. I mean, I had a, I had a question for you that I didn't get to ask you the last time you were on. Um, and I'm not sure which, uh, which term to use English or British here, but, um, what effect did the Piltdown man, uh, hoax or, or, or I'm not sure what to call it. Uh, what, what effect did that have on British or English archaeology going going forward in your in your country? Like, like did, did, did was it a, was it considered a huge stain, or is it or is it just like was it like a setback? Um, I, I, I don't I don't think it no I don't think it really had much of an effect. It was just um. It, <laughs> I suppose at the time, most of the discoveries were being made by, by um, you know, British explorers anyway. So it was just another. Um, in in over here, it's seen as like a sort of quirky, um, quirky little story. I suppose about <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's sort of thing you would make a a, a light comedy about. I'm, I'm sure there, there must be a film about it. Surely, but yeah, so <laughs> yeah so they- you would think. They've tried to represent it as something as something uh, that was sort of done with like academic malice. Uh, like the the uh, the guy the the guy was really trying to push something that he knew wasn't uh, wasn't real. Yeah, you know, like there was this uh, there was this I think three hour long History Channel uh, History Channel piece. It was and uh, yeah, they're spurious as it is, but uh, it was about the different hominid discoveries and when they when they covered that they 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 basically made it seem like i forgot the 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 archaeologists who discovered the i think it was a mandible uh 
I think they, they they basically made it seem like he was twirling his mustache over a tied up woman on a freaking railroad card. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, it, well, I mean, the way that they went about it, I mean, they, you know, discolored the one part of the skull to make it match. And then they like it was clearly fake. You know, that's what gave people the I th- personally, I think that's what gave people the impression that it was done more out of academic malice was that it was, you know, I don't know. It just seemed like that he was like definitely he knew it was fake. They knew it was fake and he was just running with it. Maybe he's just a true believer. Really, really wanted it to be true. You know, he might have just really yeah, there's also thought that. that this this would help people actually believe it. I mean, he might have been just a, a sort of a evolutionary evangelist. Mm. No, well, no, how, there's, there's how, that. Many, how many hominid discoveries can we say that about, though? Because I mean, like some some of the hominid discoveries we're talking about, just like chunks, right? A tooth yeah. and a fingertip. <laughs> right, they get a whole person out of a tooth and a fingertip. We, we have yeah. the little piece of a bone that we know is from behind the right ear, and this is definitely. The thirteenth vertebrae, like, no, yeah, it doesn't work like that. I'm sorry, like a lot of it is extrapolation and artist rendering, like most of it is artist renderings. Um, so, right, coming uh, from only a couple of bone fragments, mm-hmm. they do the same thing with with dinosaurs, and you know, unfortunately, uh, cryptids and um, uh, megafauna as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some some of the bits that you you get, you know, if you find like a, a skull, you've obviously got a good good chance of of um measuring like capacity you know brain capacity sure like they they can they can measure brain capacity or whatever but um you know that in, with, with that in mind neanderthal had a, a larger brain capacity than modern humans so how much stock do you put in any of these things anyway right if they had more brain capacity than modern humans then why did they go extinct <laughs> yeah i mean they're so smart they, they, right no i'm i'm just i'm joking right now yeah they, I, I just I, for, for me they just had a different a completely different way of of seeing the world and mm-hmm. um that's that that's part of our inheritance also is that they that that getting on the subject of the paranormal is that the 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 the, the, the evidence that i've looked at through like Stan Gucci's work and and all this is that the that Neanderthals had a um a life that was more paranormal that's what that's what um the the the, the briefest summary of it you know is that they they um were, were our, our inheritance of, of Neanderthal is is the paranormal world so we see we see fleeting moments of um of the paranormal, you know, but mm. this was, this was the world that Neanderthal lived in all the time. Hmm. Um, and that they didn't have a, a world of material things like we do, you know, they didn't build buildings. They, as, as Stan put it, they, they built cities of dreams, you know, so they lived in a sort of a, a parallel dream world all the time. And they didn't really have, that's why we don't find any structures from Neanderthal left behind. We, we fight, we, we have this sort of shadow self that is, um uh in, in denial of of the paranormal you could put it i suppose you know look at mm-hmm. look at the way science treats the paranormal mm-hmm. i think that's will, done purposefully it's definitely done purposefully to to lead you further and well, further it, away you know it's 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 their um 
it's their the denial of their of their shadow side and mm-hmm. their shadow side is their 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 Neanderthal side and, and they're in they're in so much denial of it that they that they developed a system that would exclude any investigation of that side, you know. So mm-hmm. that's that's what the scientific method is. It's an mm-hmm. exclusion of of the the very real paranormal world you know there there is there is plenty of evidence not you know quote unquote evidence there's plenty of um of examples of of people having experienced telepathy of people having experienced um you know spirit communication or mediumship or um remote viewing or you know there's 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 all sorts of of hints at a paranormal world being out there but they've developed a system that excludes any investigation of it because they are so afraid of it. <laughs> well, and, and even in the even in the religious world or quote theological world, uh, that's excluded as well. I mean, you see in Christianity things things like the idea of actual giants, uh, hybrid beings, all of that kind of thing. It's all excluded. Um, I think at one point it was something like sixty percent of American Christians uh, were polled, and um, or of the number that were polled, about sixty percent of American Christians did you know didn't actually believe in you know a, a Satan and demons and that kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, none of them really had any sort of belief in in any sort of spiritual realm or spiritual world of any kind. Um, that's interesting. Yet they claim to believe in God. Yeah, that's interesting because like that's the basis of the entire religion is the thing you have to believe in that you can't see. I mean, you know, just <laughs> right. just saying. Yeah, you, you literally got to believe a, in a uh, you know that Jesus came back to life. So right, right. You li- if, if yes. You, if you yeah. don't believe in the paranormal, how can you how can you be a Christian? Because uh, it is it, right. it is very core. It is paranormal. And well, that's the thing is that word paranormal. Like it's like oh no 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 no. There's no paranormal anything in my Bible. Wait a second. Let's, you know, uh, let's start I've in the first of, chapter of the first book. But no, um, <laughs> right. But yeah, let's not let's not run off into religion too far. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, one thing I do want to bring up. Uh, one thing I've kind of gotten away from is using the world the words paranormal or supernatural as much as I can. Um, just because with like what you're talking about, how there's so many there are so many instances of telepathy and all of these latent abilities that are possibly, you know, inside people that mm-hmm. some people can randomly unlock or, or have from birth. Um, all of that seems to be natural. It's all in nature. It's all there. Right. Yep. It's not above it. It's not outside of nature because it's in us. Right. Um, well, I've always so- said, I've, I've always said that originally we probably had all the abilities of all the X-Men. And at some point, we just forgot how to do it, or it was like taken away from us, or something. Maybe not necessarily the flying and the laser beam eyes, but like a lot of those things. Yeah, telepathy, intellect, right. all that right. kind of stuff. Right. Um, I think Altskull likened it almost to like a uh, like a video game character that has uh, abilities locked down mm-hmm. by code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good analogy. And oh god, you mentioned that's Jew. I'm just kidding. I love old school. I, I love old school. I, I, I can do that. I wouldn't say it's that they're locked. They're locked down necessarily. It's that the the world that that the um, I'll call them psychopaths, but they're they're really sort of like heavily heavily Cro-Magnon influenced or System A dominant mm-hmm. people, such as scientists uh, and Europeans in general. Most Europeans are are System A dominant, dominant, which means that they are they're they're more prone towards psychotic um 
behavior traits, which mm-hmm. is it's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm really, I'm, you know, I've got, I'm not, I'm not criticizing Europeans at all, but it's got us where we are today. But it's not, all, it's also got its bad side, you know, as well as its good mm-hmm. side that's got us where we are today. The bad side is it's in, it's all, it's in a complete denial of the other side of life of, of the of the, I'll, I'll call it paranormal because that's what they call it. You know, right. so science science refers to it as paranormal because it's beyond the normal world. So, so their their normal world is is a world of sort of order and, you know, cause and effect, and that and that the paranormal lies outside this because it's a causal. So, telepathy breaks the the laws that they put in place to try and control the the the, the paranormal world. You know, mm-hmm. to try and to, to try and to try and sort of um, deny the paranormal. They've 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 created laws such as the, the you know the the laws of physics the laws of physics restrain the paranormal that's all they do they're not then they're not they're not actually real laws because they can be broken all the time right they like um, the, the big bang breaks a whole bunch of those laws you know, but they but they create a, a constant speed of light and a constant speed of sound but these things are always varying in fluct they're fluctuating and varying all the time and they've measured variations in the speed of in the speed of light but so so putting a law on it just creates a sort of um, a restraint around the paranormal. You know, it's it's there to keep the paranormal out. Hmm. It's like an erud. Yeah, and the more that you and the more that you embrace this world, their their world, you know, the psychotic or the psychopathic system A world, you 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 go down the line of of um, a sort of analog versions of 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 the paranormal world. So you get a telephone instead of telepathy. So and the more that you use the telephone, the further you move away from telepathic ability because because now you've got a sort of an electronic analog of telepathy mm-hmm. and that slowly replaces your ability to be able to do it. So so as we move more towards, you know, this is why they're 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 trying to drive us towards a singularity because in their mind, that's going to be the total domination over the paranormal. You know, there, there won't be any need for the paranormal anymore because there'll be, um, there'll, there won't be any more death. There won't be any, mm. no one will need to worry about whether the, there's an afterlife when we're all robots. The technological right. will take over the paranormal is what's happening. Mm, That's what the yeah. whole transhumanism, um, yeah. all this, yeah. It right. all leads to the technocracy to, yeah, it's the it's domination the of humanism. What's it? Post? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Post humanism. Yeah. But but these are all phantoms in their mind mm-hmm. because they're not real. You can't really, you can't, you can't on one hand say that, um, that you know modern science says that there's that that, hu- that that life is is um is chemical reactions. That's all you are. You're 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 a collection of chemicals. You don't have any real experiences or emotions or feelings. They're all just chemicals. Everything's a chemical. Love's a chemical. Uh, you know, hate's a chemical. All these things can be dealt with with chemicals because they're just chemical reactions but yet they're going to create life out of microchips so that's how that's how psychotic they are is that they think that we're not alive but the thing that they're going to create is alive hmm. it's almost like it's inverted it's that inversion magic again mm. they're in denial of of, right. the, of the very the, the, they're in denial of nature and and mm-hmm. you know that's that's because they've driven themselves so far down this path of materialism that they've that they've they've they're even denying the essence of of life. Mm-hmm. It's like a cross they're, between. They're, they're denying. That, I was gonna say it's like yeah, a mix between uh, like tikkun olam, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, and like capitalism. 
You know what I mean? Like materialism and tikkum olam is what we're ending up with. That's how you end up with, uh, you know, like the, the trans agenda and the trans transhumanist agenda. And yeah, they yeah. think they're doing everyone a favor mm-hmm. by, by, by making us into robots. But, um, because we won't have to sleep anymore and we won't have all the weaknesses we've got, but those weaknesses but, are what makes us human. But, without, but, without those weaknesses, we wouldn't be human. But I love to sleep. Who doesn't like to sleep? Why do they want to take right. away sleep? What's wrong with these people? Right. Well, the, <laughs> the, center, the center of sleep is the, is the, the cerebellum, according to, to Stan Gooch's research. You know? right. so the, the two parts of the brain is the cerebrum and the cerebellum, and mm-hmm. the cerebellum is alive whilst you're asleep. So, right. So Neanderthal man had a larger cerebellum. That's one thing we do know. By measuring the occipital bone and all that, that's right. You have a larger cerebellum and, and the cerebellum is for dreaming. So you find that, that uh, Asians dream more than Europeans do. Women dream more than men. And women have got a larger cerebellum than men and Asians have got a larger cerebellum than Europeans. And children have a larger cerebellum than adults and children mm-hmm. dream more than adults. And, and cats have a larger cerebellum than, than humans and cats sleep all the time. You know, so um, th- this, these, these two lives, this cerebellum, cerebellar life and cerebral life, um, one of them is 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 about dreaming. So that's what they're trying to deny us. They're trying to deny us sleep because they're trying. Again, it's another attempt to deny the the paranormal. You know, hmm. the cerebellum is the center of the paranormal. Wow, I never really looked at it like that. They're trying to deny the paranormal, but yeah, that's absolutely correct. That is. That's, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yes, and you're you're at the root of this because your show is the paranormies. You know, so. that's right. That's right. They're going to try and Oof. they're going to try and deny us our thing. You can, nobody got my nobody. Lines. Hey, We're real quick. Let me go back to one thing. I made a really good joke about 10 minutes ago and you can nobody laughed at my ear of joke. Haha. <laughs> Come on. Is You're talking about how they put like like limits on on the paranormal. It's like, you know, it's like an error. Of. Of. Yeah, an error. What's an error? You made an error of joke. No, you made an error of joke. OK, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, and it's well, it's funny because we're talking about Jews and like you know, and we're we're not actually saying Jews, but we have been saying Jews, you know, and it's the Arab. I don't know. I laughed. All right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, Arab <laughs> jokes are good. Arab jo- all Jew jokes are always good. I don't care who you are. Even before I got into all of this, and I was really Jay woke, and was all this like Jew jokes have always been some of the funniest jokes I've ever heard growing up. Like, Even I made the jo- I was Jay woke. I never liked Jews, honestly. Yeah. Never liked them. Yeah, um, like the one, uh, a Jew, a lawyer, and a pedophile uh, goes sit down in a bar, and he's the only one there. Well, then, no, and the bartender says, what do you have, Rabbi? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You got to get the joke right. All right. Quality content. Uh, Quality content. I, I made, a, I made a, an, error of, an error of tweet. And uh, it didn't get any any likes oh. at all, and it was and, and it was actually quite a sincere and sweet tweet that a, a Jewish person probably would have liked, and it was oh. that um, someone a, a Jew a Jewish writer should publish a book about um, about um, Jewish life in Western cities and call it a roof over our heads. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is an awesome tweet. Um, if I actually tweeted on Twitter, I would do that. Yeah, I got a new Twitter, guys. I'm secretly on Twitter. Don't tell anybody. But, uh, you, everyone has to guess who you are. Yes. I don't tweet, Twitter. so good luck with that. I, wait, no. I, I made the joke that led to coming up with the name, at least. 
Right. You did. That was, and honestly, like even, even if you look at my, my handle, it like even the, the text is funny. So it is. Yes. Cause it's, yeah. Anyways. Um, these are all clues for, for yeah. the listeners to <laughs> go and hunt you down amongst the 10 billion Twitter users. Right. Oh man. What was I going to say? Oh yeah. We're getting close to the end of the first hour. We didn't have Nobody, do you guys want to do like a Cro-Mags song? Yeah, sure. go for it. All right, I'm going to find a Cro-Mags song, and that's what we're going to do for break. And we're going to be back after this.
All right, everybody, we're back. This is still the Paranormies. I'm still Johnny Minoxide with Got Ancient Wisdom, Dogbot, Reinhardt, and Jack. Uh, we're talking about Neanderthals and Cro-Magnons again and um, the relationship of Neanderthals to Jews. Now, um, like I said earlier, Horace believes that there was a hybridization event that left the Jews that we know of today with a heavily, um, the heavy dose of the Neanderthal genetics and everybody else with not so much. Um, now, somebody I know uh, was having a conversation and he does not believe that Neanderthals are the Jews or the Neanderthals are the original Jews. Now, real quick, I know we all believe that they're hybrids, but is he incorrect or is he correct? I think he's incorrect. Yeah, just uh, given our conversation, I would I would say so. I, I would say that it, there's a uh, deep racial battle between Cro-Magnons and Neanderthals, and that's why Jews covet their Neanderthal DNA so much and promote it as something that that's special and great. Right. And I, oh, no, definitely. You're right. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. I, I think that there a lot of a lot of their um, their literature is about um, being a, a a separate type of people from mm -hmm. everybody else. They mm -hmm. see themselves as, you know, they, they describe themselves as chosen people, um, and uh, you know, Neanderthal was in 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 the eyes of Neanderthal is the is the chosen, you know, the the inheritor of the earth, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're, they're earth people, right? So. The inheritors yeah, I mean, of the earth are Neanderthals, whereas Cro-Magnon is much more. Uh, he's he's a, he's a, he's the son of the of the he's the 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 uh, sons of the gods, you know, son of the sun. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I think as well, uh, one thing that goes into it is this hyper focus on survival at any cost. It's a very animalistic. Um, like we were talking earlier, I believe before the show or a little bit before and during about aggression, you know, focusing their aggression. Well, they have an aggressive focus on survival that has now to use the term evolved into this more subversive kind of subtle, um, but still aggressive focus on survival at all costs. It's something archaic, something ancient, but I think is deeply more ingrained in Neanderthal yeah, but it is with 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 the Jews. It is it is very very hidden. The aggression mm -hmm. is like a sort of uh, shadow aggression. Um, so a lot of their um, a lot of their ways ways of behaving is you know of of the, the, a lot of the ways they dominate is through subversion. Mm -hmm. So that's like a, a much more subtle and insidious form of aggression. You know, it's not it's uh what is what's the 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 motto of um of the Israeli secret services. I think it's uh, through deception we wage war. So That's exactly uh, waging war through deception is uh, completely counter to the European form of warfare, which is that we run at you with swords and then later on guns. Right. And, and usually with a lot of flags and, you know, there was, there used to be like, you know, brass instruments and drums and stuff. Yeah. There's, you mm -hmm. know, war drums are definitely a European thing. Like this is all, 
<laughs> we made yeah. a show of war. Like war was a, that's right. Was a production. Yeah. Now and our, and, our, and our music is is a reflection of that of that um, that that triumph that we take out of warfare. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you you mm-hmm. you'd look at the some of the greatest classical pieces are composed about winning wars. Yes, so, absolutely true. Um, so my this person who wrote to me. Uh, and this is, he doesn't believe that. And let's, let's talk about why. Should I just read the whole thing again? Mm-hmm. Okay. He says distribution. This is why he doesn't believe that distribution percentages through different ethnicities. He doesn't have everything in his head. I've seen over the years memorized the hybridization with different archaic human sorts of points to what anyone acknowledging reality has known for years that Asians and Europeans are distinct and separate subspecies from sub-Saharans. Um, who have low or no Cro-Magnon, Denisovian, or Neanderthal variants, even though no one will say it. Now, wait. Um, you were saying earlier that the fact that all humans, you know, everybody on, you know, in this realm can, can breed and have children uh, is evidence that we are all somewhat uh, related. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Um, so anyway, so it's like Jews have pushed that we are all one race, the human race, and have subverted anthropology for decades. We Yes, we know that. Uh, archaic human hybridization seems to undo rather than help that. Yes, I know that 23andMe is run by Jews, but I just don't see the motivation for them to lie about levels of Neanderthal variants. You don't okay. see the reason for Jews to lie. That... Um, Bro, all right. Uh, there are populations with high levels of variants have nothing to do with the Longnose tribe. Now, there are... When he says hi, um, I don't know what he means by that, but I believe he's talking about a genome study where they were trying to um, do the different levels of Neanderthal variants around like Europe and Asia and whatever, and they completely did not take any uh, samples from from the Levant and from uh, what would have been the you know Kazaria, which is interesting. But the rest of the study. You know, just totally, you know, proves that these guys aren't Neanderthals. But somehow they missed the one area where, you know, these Neanderthals seem to have ended up. Hmm. I mean, it's the, 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 the first place you can find the, the hybrid is, um, is in the Middle East. That's where, they, mm-hmm. that's where the, you know, the, the earliest example of a, of, a Neander, of, a skele- of a fossil with Neanderthal and Cro-Magnon traits. Mm-hmm is in the middle east you know right and so that's 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 almost like the flashpoint for the hybrid process for, for where the hybrid event occurred is the middle east and it's still the flashpoint today for the the biggest conflicts you know so right and that is where the highest concentration the of neanderthal dna is found is right and in, in the people from there well, the, it's, it's where the, the highest concentration of one type of Neanderthal okay. DNA is found. If you if you actually look at the, stu- the, 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 the synchronizing of the Neanderthal DNA, mm-hmm. is that they only used uh, the classical Neanderthal fossils, you know, the remains of, of, of the, the, the DNA that they recovered was from three, three different um, Neanderthals, but they were all the European type. Right. So that's like a, a, that's that's actually a, a variation on Neanderthals. They're so, from the Neander you know, Valley in France, right? Yeah. Right. They they, they used a fifty thousand year old one, a seventy thousand year old one, and uh, I don't know, thirty five thousand so, year old one or something. Once again, the so French. It's not a real Neanderthal unless it's from the Neander Valley in France, right? Not like real Champagne unless it's from the Champagne. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, French people, but they, I swear. 
but they haven't recovered any DNA from 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 Neanderthals that we find in Africa. They haven't recovered any DNA that they find from Neanderthaloid types that you find in in the Far East. You know, well, why is so that? There are there are Neanderthal types everywhere. It's just that the European one is the only one they've synchronized. So when they say three three percent DNA, they're talking about one type of Neanderthal. So I think if they had the the genetic data from all the other types of neanderthal in the world they would probably find that actually africans do have a lot of neanderthal in mm-hmm. them but a different type of neanderthal right and that, uh, how do they know, people not... in the far east have a lot of neanderthal but a different type of neanderthal it was under my assumption that they had actually two distinct neanderthal types one was the the type that is closer to the Caucasus mountains and then another type like an iberian type yeah, but they're, but they're all um, they're all like a. Re- I mean, Neanderthal in Europe. Neanderthal lived in Europe for two hundred and fifty thousand years, so we've only been in Europe for you know, according to the record, about about ten twenty thousand years or whatever mm. it is. You know, mm. so we um, Cro-Magnon overran Neanderthal about thirty thousand years ago in Europe. Um, again, according to you know, the according to the record. record. Right. Um, but these Neanderthals have been there for 250,000 years, so that's that's more time than we can really imagine, you know. And they, and, and and that's enough time for them to have um, developed into, you know, Australians have developed into a into a separate type, a separate ethnicity of of European in in a couple of hundred years, and you know, Americans have developed into a separate ethnicity in in, in a lot of ways. You know, I'm not saying mm-hmm. they're definitely completely different now well, you're, you're americans from the rest of, of europe but well, americans they have, have of, they have uh, a lot of distinct cultural you know um things that would be hard to remove from them now well Amer- yeah. right and that's african-american is what that is <laughs> um, <laughs> no i'm dead serious so that's that's what the like the new hybridization of the american uh homo sapiens or whatever it is the home the american variant uh, is getting you know it's having more and more African American in their genetics, or, or yeah, one of uh, one of Borzoi's favorite passages, the mulatto stud farm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, um, but, but, when I was going but, but now 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 turn that into like fifty thousand years, and where would that right, be? Right. If if everything now disappeared, and we just only found the remains of of those of those people that had lived in America. Say there's a big cataclysm, everyone gets split up and the American continent goes completely downhill for whatever reason and then we find all these fossils of these people and we and we come to the conclusion that they were a completely different you know a subspecies of human because of the amount of of uh, different you know different genetic data we're recovering from them or whatever. Um, that's pretty much the scenario we're looking at. I think is that you know that these the, the Neanderthal in Europe is a is a different type of Neanderthal mm-hmm. to all the other Neanderthals, and so when they say there's no there's no Neanderthal DNA in Africans, they're actually talking about the European variation of Neanderthal. Right. So there was a, why would there be any European variation? They, they lived in Europe in the in the uh, in the snow. You know they they had adapted bodies for the snow why would they have ever gone back to africa they, they had massive barrel chests that, that <laughs> could warm the air for them and huge noses and all that you know so why would they have ever needed to go back into africa they they, they weren't suited for the climate anyway they wouldn't have felt, felt any desire to go back there at two hundred and fifty thousand years right you know, a long that's a long time. time so so we haven't really recovered all of the that the, there are there are lots more types 
to but there is only one Cro-Magnon this is what's important there is only one type of Cro-Magnon there are many types of Neanderthal there's only one type of Cro-Magnon and Cro-Magnon is the um, Cro-Magnon is the the drop of milk in the in the bowl of chocolate you know <laughs> chocolate milk he's the he's the he's the drop of white milk hmm. um what i was going to ask a little bit earlier is so they have the dna excuse me they have the dna from the european uh neanderthal but they have skeletons and skulls and whatever from the other neanderthal variants right mm-hmm. yeah. but for some reason they don't have the dna no i think they're just it's too old to probably degraded so much okay. most most okay. of it's just fossils now i don't think there's any actual uh any actual bones or something that you could recover oh, okay the, so it's not dna from. okay so it's not like something they're just like oh we have these and we just don't know what to do and okay we're just not bothering to check them yeah right no, right i don't okay. think it's okay. that i think they're just fossils now yeah i don't think you have to have certain certain climate you know certain mm-hmm. conditions to be able to preserve the bone long enough to 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 retain some sort of um, organic matter rather than it turning into a fossil. Okay, I so guess that's what it is. That makes that makes sense. So okay, so and the in European, Europe, Europe, the climates, the climate is more favorable towards preserving towards fossils. That makes sense. Yeah. Organic matter rather than fossilizing it. Oh yeah, organic because it's colder, preserves yeah. it longer. That's why they find like mastodon babies that are how many ever years old in the snow it's just, it's just in, more white supremacy right. it's more white priv- white privilege is that it's we white privilege it really is it really is yeah one of, one of my favorite bits out of the out of the book chosen people from the caucasus is how out of like thin air he makes the assertion that the basque language is po- possibly a remnant neanderthal language yeah what is he how does he tie that together um I think he was talking about like the Robert Graves work where uh, Hebrew and Greek line up on a lot of different uh, entomology words and stuff like that. And then just, I think out of thin air, uh, I, uh, where, what page? Isn't, isn't Hebrew just a a version of Latin anyway, or or Greek or something? Uh, It's, it's a version of ancient Irish, supposedly. (laughs) Yeah. The Phoenician language. Yeah. It's a, Right, what, Reinhard, what is that, is. isn't it? Isn't that what Connor McDarry's book says? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I thought I didn't think it was actual, an actual old language no, or, of their own. I it's thought, it's, a, it's thought it's another thing that, that had been stolen from somebody. Yeah, what else? Oh, yeah, exactly. Is there anything that's theirs? No. Um, but but also going back to the idea of the subversion and mm-hmm. and that being your form of aggression and warfare is that th- th- this is one of the reasons why I dismiss the the Khazar theory because the Khazars are supposed to be a um, a, a warlike um, warrior mm-hmm. tribe in Khazaria or something that doesn't sound anything like the Jews. Well, it sounds well, a lot more like the Shabad Lubavitch types as opposed but to But they still work by subversion. They don't they're, they're not out and out, you know, right, they wear nappies in warfare. Well, they've learned to control it. Right. They don't learn to control their bowels while they're fighting because they have to wear nappies while they fight. So Yeah. That that doesn't sound very warrior like. No, I, well, I, I think know about the, the Khazars as well. I'm sorry. Can you God, can you explain to our American audience what a nappy is? Um, a diaper. <laughs> okay, thank you. Sorry, sorry yeah. about that, Reinhardt. No, um, think about Kazarians as well. I mean, they did work within their time. Uh, we have, you know, 
if if we're talking like there's no phantom time uh dropouts there in the middle ages mm-hmm. and dark ages happened as they did um you know they were fighting along you know all along the Caucasus region uh, and played off of the many wars between the Byzantines the Ottomans the burgeoning um Rus you know that were to the north um and before the Rus came down supposedly and basically eradicated them and forced them to move west into uh, into Eastern Europe, um, they were basically pitting the Byzantines, Ottomans, and northern tribes all against each other. They were taking slaves, they were raiding, um, and basically pointing fingers at everybody else. And at uh, one point, as the story goes, they were set upon, I believe, by the Rus, and they were, you know, given the choice, of course, uh, you know, choose Islam, Christianity, or Judaism. Uh, this time, they'd been practicing, you know, black magic that can be traced to Mesopotamia and Babylon, um, and they chose Judaism, uh, I think, for an exact reason. Yeah, they were using aggressive, you know, conventional warfare tactics, but it was still all subversive. They were playing everyone against each other, mm. and finally so- someone caught on. So the idea of them, uh, the, so the description of them as warriors is probably not accurate. Right. I, mean, I've, I've, I, I just wonder whether merchants. that's a, I just wonder whether that's a sort of, um, um, like a, you know, uh, uh, what is it where you, stolen valor type of thing? There's a lot of, yeah, absolutely. They, I mean, you I know, so. they basically invented, you know, um, these people, they invented the, uh, the art of, you know, financing both sides of wars. You know, at this, and at the same mm-hmm. time, uh, doing raiding parties on these same people that they're, you know, fine, you know, doing financing for. So mm-hmm. they were, they were really, exactly. it, it wasn't, it wasn't like they were, yeah, they weren't like, um, great warriors. I don't know where that comes from about them, but the, but they were like nasty, dirty, underhanded, you know, come get you in the middle of the night and slit your throat and take your women type stuff. Yeah, they were they were very well known as more raiders than warriors. Also, very right. well known as merchants, very mm-hmm. dishonest, mm-hmm. very thieving um, you know, merchants. And um, just side note, Johnny, for uh, in the future, I've actually been going through some genetic studies on both the Rhineland and Khazarian hypotheses for the mm-hmm. Jews in Europe. Yeah, you, um, so, you gave me that one. Uh, you posted that one that one paper. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's in Telegram so, currently for us. Yeah. Mm. So, so from uh, chosen people from the Caucasus, it says in the uh, Khazar conversion chapter, it says, aside from the fact that the Jewish Khazars of the eighth and eleventh century Russian steppes must have been the ancestors of the modern uh, Ash Ashkenazim Jewry, they have become important for another reason. They introduced the word and racial concept of slavery to the European world. It was, perhaps, the Khazar adoption of Judaism that gave them not only some necessary religious prestige in competition with their Christian and Islamic neighbors and adversaries, but also perhaps gave them some reason for discriminating between themselves as the chosen and others in surrounding forests and steppes as Gentiles to be exploited. As after conversion to Judaism, the Khazars exhibited a cohesive aggression that made them not just the most prominent step people of the area, but the dominant people of the region. At this time, the word slavery came from the Western word slave and its derivations from the word Slav. You know, so. Hmm. 
I, I, yeah, yeah, they, it, they I, claim it. They they claim it themselves. Like Bradley claims the Kazar theory. Uh, Arthur Kessler claims the Kazar theory. A lot of the Jewish encyclopedia writers claim the Kazar theory. Um, I I find it. You know, I don't. I don't know. I believe. I I actually believe it after reading a lot of this stuff. And I have Esau to Edom and, and a whole shelf of other books uh, that. I agree with as well. Um, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, it's like, like I said, the, uh, it makes sense now that they're more like the Mossad. That's, that's where, who the Khazars really are is they, they became like that kind, the Jews that would kill other Jews, like the Mossad, like these, the Shabbat type Jews, they don't give a shit about the other Jews. They're the ones that threw the Jews through their own people in gulags. Yeah. But they did also, um, you know, Joseph was sold by his own brothers mm-hmm. back in in the biblical time. So it's not, you know, it's not like it's just Khazars. I think it's. Oh like, no, uh, there's yeah, Jewish so that's, tendencies that's to a lot I'm of still people. Still skeptical of the Khazar thing because well, the behavior is the same as the behavior you read about in the Bible. And that's it's the same as the behavior that you read about in the ancient Egyptian records about Joseph. You know, um, buying up all the grain and then um, exploiting the people during the famine and making them sell the children to him, and you know, right? That's all this sort of thing. Reinhardt and well, I have discussed this many times. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing, uh, one thing I do have to say about you know Joseph's brothers selling him, aside from you know, if we're just taking out any religious aspect of it, um, you know, I have to look at that and just say, okay, what? How does that set? them apart from anybody else who would do that because they were envious about him being the favorite right but when when has there never been an instance of that you know throughout history i mean things like that have happened of course um as far as you know things about joseph being grand vizier and, and what he may or may not have done i don't believe he did any of that i believe there is historical uh context for the famine years before joseph even showed up um in egypt uh, but that that's a whole another David Roll Egyptian chronology rabbit troll rabbit hole to go down. Rabbit troll. <laughs> <laughs> rabbit hole. Yeah. No, um yeah, um there 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 are Egyptian records of the mm-hmm. the uh Egyptian um Joseph, the ver- the Egyptian fair you know, the vizier the in, in, in Egypt selling the um the grain to people and all this sort of stuff. So there, there are Egyptian records of it as well. It's not just a biblical. A biblical right. Thing. Well, the thing, the thing is too, Egyptian chronology is so messed up from decades spanning from the 1800s all the way up to, you know, mid 20th century. Um, it, Egyptology has been so flubbed, uh, mm-hmm. terrible, terrible archeological work uh, just because archeology span was such a, a relatively new science in the modern world at the time, uh, supposed to be a relatively new science. I, would say the reset probably played a part in that. Uh, but the historical figures associated with Joseph traditionally most likely are not the historical Joseph because the chronology is just so messed up. Um, so yeah, that's could be for another episode, people. though. So, so part of the like subversive aspect of Jews in, in Europe in the Middle Ages when – when the Moors had taken over part of Spain, they left the Jews there relatively, you know, they, they left them relatively alone. The mm-hmm. ones that could trace their lineage all the way back to Jerusalem, etc. And whenever the Christians reclaimed these lands, then they fake 
they fake converted to Catholicism, and there's a lot of there's a lot of Jews that even claim that Christopher Columbus was a crypto Jew, and that and, and subsequently a lot of the conquistadors uh, and the explorers were uh, crypto Jewish Spani- Spaniards. Yeah, right, those ta- be conversos. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I find that I find that fascinating because a lot of the a lot of the bludgeoning on uh, y- you know people using modern history lens to look back on European settlement and stuff, a lot of the bludgeoning against us is are these evil colonizers and everything. And uh, it's it's also strange that Jews and uh, I don't know whether in secret or just on the hush uh, will also claim that some of these very colonizers that we we get bludgeoned for they claim as their own (laughs) Mm -hmm. but but isn't it interesting that they uh that that there's a a, 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 such a phrase as converso for people who um you know jews who have converted to um european Religions, right, and then the Khazars are, are literally the opposite, and they're Europe, the European type that's converted to uh, being Jews. There's, so uh, it's like we we're sort of stuck in this place of not being able to win because we can't claim the Khazars as like, well, no, you know, that's just some conversos the other way around that converted to being Jews, and then you know. The other way, we've got a loss on the other side in that apparently some of the people who have done some of the uh, European, you know, European explore, exploration are, are actually Jews that converted to being Europeans or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's there's something there. But well, you got to remember Europeans can't claim the Khazars. When you when you control uh, the writing of history books in all the Western countries for as many decades as these people have, it's kind of hard to, it, it makes a lot of this stuff hard to believe. You know what I mean? When you, when you mm. find out that Robert Maxwell's company has printed like 60% of, you know, the books that you read in school growing up, mm. it just, it just makes you you're like, okay, so how many generations does it take to completely change history in, in, in school? Or like, you know, like we were talking about before, uh, with something like the King James Bible and um, the works of Shakespeare, you know they could they could drop a narrative on an illiterate people, and you know that would be that would be the truth, right? Yeah, I mean that's pretty much how it worked. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and especially before you know the printing press, regardless of when it actually was introduced, really all you would have to do is you know, wait for a couple of generations in your relatively local area to die off. Um, and of course, you know, the people controlling most of the handwritten literature, uh, you can literally cross things out, rewrite them, mm-hmm. um, and read them to an illiterate, mostly illiterate population. And yeah, those, those later generations, they'll just take it as fact. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, this is where radical skepticism yeah. comes in again. Like you say, that's what happened with Shakespeare. Is that really? It's only really a hundred years later of Shakespeare that they they solidified Shakespeare's work into reality. Right. People like 
Alexander Pope and you know people who promoted Shakespeare's work a hundred years later. Mm-hmm. It was long enough away from the fact that nobody could test the, you know, could go and check whether it was actually true. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, they'll eventually do that with like um, Barack Obama and Michael Obama. You know, they'll eventually they were the first openly gay and trans president and uh, first lady. Eventually, they'll be teaching that in school. And it will just be they'll they'll people presume that's how it always was right exactly yeah Yeah. um but the so going back to the the kazars and the Hmm. you know all this stuff um that being being a hybrid uh some people in some some people in the in 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 every population are going to feel more affinity towards one way of behaving than they are another way of behaving so um if if anything i would say that the kazars were people who read the 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 uh, talmud or probably the talmud and then they they it, it, if you read it you either you're either attracted to that lifestyle or you're repulsed by that lifestyle and if you're attracted to that lifestyle you can um you can embrace it and and then become those people and then after a few hundred years everyone forgets that you weren't those people to start with because your behavior is very much like the behavior of the people that wrote those books anyway so you fit in with them whereas with the conversos a lot of the conversos in spain were probably people that actually didn't feel that the they didn't feel that the the talmud represented the way they felt about about things you know so there there are a lot of people have have converted out of out of um judaism who have fitted into the world normally and after a couple of hundred years everyone's forgotten that they were part of it that's i know know the converso thing is that they're actually hidden they're like crypto right right it's a crypto thing yeah but there but there are also people who have converted out of it because it didn't actually suit them you know and they've and they've, they've gone into a more european way of life so obviously, there, we're talking about a small percentage of people anyway to start with. Two mm-hmm. percent um, usually, you know, and right? And, it, and and so I'd say it's the same with Europeans. Is that the reason you do find a lot of, um, you know, the 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 leading um, what are they, what would you call them? The high command of Israel have got more European genes. Is that is that they are people who were scumbags anyway, and so they've just found something that that speaks to them and their scumbaggerism, you know, so hmm. that, that, that book, that book probably encourages a, a bit of that in people. If they, if they've already, if you've already got it in you, it encourages you to be more like that. Whereas if you don't have it in you and you've been, you know, the same, it's the same with any religion. If you don't have it in you, you're going to, eventually you're going to just, um, move away from it. And as you're saying earlier, a lot of Christians in America, when they polled them, they don't actually believe in, in demons and all the rest of you know they don't actually really believe in the religion they're just part of the religion because it's part of their culture to be part of that religion but given the choice i think most most people in the olden in the olden days they they used to go to church on a sunday because it was easier than getting an ear bashing from everyone in the community and uh and from the the local vicar or priest or whatever you know but but moving moving away from religion is 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 not necessarily a bad thing because people are still spiritual it's just that 
as long as they're not moving towards something that's more demonic and leading them down some kind of um, odd path, you know. But most, I think most people still remain, even if they're not overtly religious, they still remain spiritual in some way. Um, apart from, you know, the hardcore science-loving atheists. But even they're still, even they've still got their religions, they still have their caped heroes and all the rest of it, don't they? So there is something in us that, that can't um, can't escape spirituality or there's you know there's a there's a, an inner desire for something more and that's what superman f- fills that gap for some people i suppose well yeah it's well every, in every single one of those stories <laughs> it's a jewish story on top of it um, yeah but you know you know i mean cape heroes heroes yeah general, well they're all the cape shit in general it's, it's sort of they, they're, they're sort of like super the superheroes are like a religion in some way. Sure, or, oh, absolutely, know, it's a religion. Fiction. Oh no, it's it's a religious science fiction's a religion. All this stuff's religion, yeah. but they're all but it's I, all I, stuff that's I, created I, by Jews. Yeah, and I think they created it to supplant our our natural. Our, yeah, and our, our true myths mm-hmm. and our true stories. So. Yeah, yeah, but it's but it's but but people still they that there is what what we're what we're all agreeing on is that there is a natural proclivity within humans for something more you know there's the, the, right. you can't just you can't just live your life a hollow shell that doesn't actually believe that there's anything more than the material things you see around you well, i think white people have more of a proclivity for it than the other uh the rest kind of need to be coerced into it Oh, I, think, I think everyone else lives in a in a complete uh, fantasy world of of just like total supernatural. You know, everybody else lives in a in a superstitious world. If you if you look at how everybody else in the world lives, mm. when we when before Europeans encountered all these people, they were living in complete superstition. They were they were slaves to the environment. They were slaves to rocks around them that had life in them, and they were you know everything around them was 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 alive in some way and they were just sort of um barely subs- barely barely existing within this within this world that was constantly affronting them and and uh you know out to persecute them and i, I don't think that has changed in a lot of ways you know i think they still most of the people in the world still live in this place where um there it, it's easy to to spook them or easy to you know to to, to get them to to run into into superstition and to you know to to look for um, superstitious reasons why things are happening to them, and that's that they, that's what they're using Europeans for as well. Is they use us as this sort of this sort of big scary boogeyman that's that's responsible for everything that's ever gone wrong in their lives and all the rest of it. You know? Hmm. All right. We're we're more rational than the whole than the rest of the world. Much more. Rational. Yeah, that's for sure. That is de- well, us and like uh, East Asians. Maybe I mean I think they still <laughs> live in a, they still live in a world. They're, they're trying to replace themselves with robots. Yeah, yeah, that is fair. Everyone else yeah. has a schizos. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, Am I the schizo? Do the principal Skinner meme? Am I the schizo? No, it's everyone else who is schizos. All right. Yeah, no, um, I, I, I don't think anybody's totally innocent in all of this, you know. Oh. The, the thing is, if, if 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 we didn't have a bit of these people in us, 
mm-hmm. we wouldn't be so repulsed by them. You know, that's the thing with projection is that if 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 you never see a horse getting upset about squirrels, you know, so because there's no squirrel in the <laughs> horse, but but when you're both competing for the same piece of piece of space or the same bit of air or the same food, you know, because you're both quite similar, even though you might not feel similar, you're still competing for the same resources. Um, those those people are going to become a direct competition for you, and that's what we we represent that to to Jews and Jews represent that to Europeans, because there is a lot of similarities to us, and 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 actually, some of the problems that we face are through not being enough like they are, you know, not being um, nepotistic, not mm-hmm, being, mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, not networking with each other enough. I mean, right. that's, that's well, you know, a big, a, lot- a big problem we face is not having these networks that they've got. I think a lot of well, a lot of that's been kind of bred out of us as the domestication has, you know, been taking place. Um, but, but we've taken we've taken part in that domestication. Right, exactly. We, no, no, we, that's we, and that's we part of our own. Amazon. If if, it, if you if you want if you don't want to be domesticated, stop buying Amazon products. Right. Yeah, but that try telling any you try having this conversation with any normal people. Oh no, I understand exactly what you're saying. But, off but that whole thing is pieces. like, you know, our altruism versus their nepotism. Yeah, but you know. And that's what we, got it, well no, pathological altruism is like the white man's Achilles heel. Um so is our so is our inability to see our own projections. You know that's that's everybody's Achilles heel. That's the the the, the Jews are unable to see how much like us they are, in that they are. Uh, you know they they've got an inability to self reflect. They can't really see that they are a lot a large part of them is us because they came from us. You know they 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 look like us. We don't look like them. Uh, the 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 European genes that they've got, they took their European genes from Europeans. It's not the other way around. You know, we didn't right. we didn't develop out of them. So they're in denial of a large part of who they are, and that's self hatred. It turns into self hatred. So they so they they hate us, but actually what they're doing is they hate themselves. So they hate the part of us that's in them, and it's the same with us. Is that we hate the part of us that's in them. You know, because mm-hmm. because if we didn't have any part of them in us, we wouldn't be at all concerned about what they do but it, it, it well the thing is is most of us are pretty much unconcerned with what they do it's the few of us that are awake to what they're doing that have the problem with it <laughs> yeah you know um, uh normally I, like, I see a lot of people that are preoccupied with what mm-hmm. jews are doing you know i just i just observed that in a lot of places is that people are preoccupied with what they're doing to the point of distraction where they're not actually getting on with anything you know, they're not actually creating anything for our future. Mm-hmm. They're so concerned with what these people are up to that it's distracting them from actually creating culture. So we need we need culture over everything. Europeans need to create culture so that we've got a, fu- a past. We've got a past that we can look back at that then solidifies our future. But uh, people are so distracted by what other people are doing at the moment and how that might be affecting them that rather than create culture, it's like we're in a freeze position now we're frozen and we can't actually create culture. So there's, we, 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 we'll complain about Hollywood, but we won't support independent films that are made by people on low budgets because everybody loves the special effects in Hollywood. Everybody loves the story, you know, but there are plenty of people making crappy indie films that could be supported by a lot of our people, mm-hmm. but they would, they would still rather just watch, you know, Netflix or right. Amazon 
crime or something like that. But we should be supporting crappy films. When you look at Hollywood, when it first started, they were crappy films. They were really badly lit. They were badly scripted. They had bad sound, you know. Some of our films are like that. The indie films are like that. But we have to support them for it to become an industry that speaks about our story, you know, tells our story and, and, and all the rest of it. But we're, we're, people are so preoccupied with what the other side are doing that they're, they're forsaking their own culture in a way. I, I, I want to agree with you because I find that to be an incredibly optimistic take. But, I mean, it's just, you know, I don't want to be blackpilling or anything, but the people who run the distribution and who own most of these studios and the means at which people will be able to look at these alternative alternative products that we want to present uh they they want us dead so it's like <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, it's like, true yeah so like i i i i i really want to agree with your take because it's optimistic and i i, I do love i do love i i do want to be the glass half full person in most discussions but when it comes to when it comes to the medium of theater and uh and motion pictures i i'm i'm afraid they have such a good they have such a firm stranglehold on it that it, it'll it's it's going to take a lot of deprogramming a lot of people who find this overtly jewish poison to be the opium that they prefer i mean there are a lot of people right now, uh, our people, who it's Friday night and there's some new streaming series that they're going to binge watch and spend the next 10 hours of their lives firmly fixed on a couch, not paying attention to the rest of the world around them and consuming this Jewish mind poison. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't. Dis I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I mean, that's why, that's why I started out saying that you know that they they've 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 made a slick product, but it mm -hmm. did start off as a shitty product, and that and that our products have to start off as a shitty product as well. Right. Point. The the trannies they were using back in the 30s were not as passing <laughs> as the ones that are using today. We yeah. I'm not too. saying we need our own trannies. No, we no 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 no. Thank no. you. Thank you. No, I didn't say. No, I'm talking about their trannies. We don't have. We don't have trannies. Okay. Whoa. We don't need any. We don't have any, and we don't need any. What kind of show you think this is? Make our own trannies with blackjack and hookers. Leave Leave Jack alone. He's our intern. No blackjack. Blackjack cards. Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah. My evil doppelganger. <laughs> So, all right, let's let's not talk about the Kazar part of that book anymore. Um, what else? It led, it led to a good place. I mean, I read quite a long. Oh no, no, I know, but like, there's there's a, there's like two hundred and forty pages, and we we're just talking about like ten of them. Uh, right. Like, I don't know, man. I don't I don't have much good to say about this Michael Bradley guy in his books to be quite honest uh, i don't agree with a lot of a lot of what he says um yeah. other than the kazar part which i do still kind of agree with um but that's okay we don't have to agree on everything like that's the whole point you know nobody has to agree on everything even the yes men reinhardt okay you don't have to agree are you sure i'm giving I, you permission to, to disagree anybody. i'm giving you permission to disagree <laughs> <sighs> right okay. People are like, oh, wow. No, that's not like 
the fact that like a lot of us come to the same consensus consensus on a lot of this stuff is because we all think similarly and um, logic and reason just brings us to the same conclusion a lot of times. Uh, but yeah, I don't agree with a lot of his stuff. Like the whole, I mean, he does, he does do, like you said, uh, dog about the, um, uh, embarrassed. What did, what did you call it? Temporarily embarrassed Jew. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, like he was willing to, uh, forsake a little bit of his overtly Jewish identity because he really wanted to be cool with the blacks. Right. Is John Henrik Clark black? Does anybody know? Jack, look I, that up. Is John Henrik Clark black? I he, know Cornell West is. Well, yeah, but did, why does he mention Cornell West a lot in this book? Uh, no, but I can see both of them having a lengthy discussion. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can see that. But uh, John Henrik Clark wrote the intro for both of these books, which is interesting, which I don't want to know if he's, I want to know if he's white or black. Um, but it talks about how, you know, John Henry Clark talks about how the word Jew is a European creation. Um, he's black. He's black? I knew it. All right. I was right. Yep. So, yeah. So this temporarily embarrassed Jew got this woke black dude to write the intro to the book about how bad white men are because Neanderthals have small peepees or something. Uh, we have under-evolutionarily developed, under developed uh, genitalia, according right. to Michael Bradley. Right. So he's embarrassed because of his- we're not overtly sexually aggressive or because or is it hybridization that's done that? Like uh, it's white men is uh overtly sexually aggressive and that's why racism. And also cuz it was really cold so it shrank everything. Right, right. I think that this guy is embarrassed by the size of his tiny schmeckle and uh and is like like doing the whole like black man has big peepee. I have very so small. does that mean that like Mediterraneans are just inherently better? I mean, as always, I'm okay with this. Yeah, dang, dang. I sudden, wow, I suddenly like him now. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I got out of this that I did agree with. You know, that and the I mean, there's no art to it, but you know, no, there's whatever. literally no art. The book, I like Dogbot. Did you listen to? The Michael Collins Piper interview? Was that the one you listened to? I couldn't listen to more than five minutes of it. Right, but the, the interview. The, the one that, are you talking about the one that is on YouTube, the, the one hour, 54 minute one? I have no idea. The one I listened to was on BitChute. Oh, I didn't even check BitChute. Okay. I was at work. But, uh, no, like, I can't listen to Michael Bradley. Every Michael Bradley interview I've tried to listen to, I can't listen to more than five minutes of it. He sounds he sounds like he's speaking from the bottom of a toilet yeah. inside a hurricane. He's not that word for or the Iceman. And I love this book. And that's how that's really how he talks, and it's like the most disturbing interviewing cadence ever. That's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's not like you can go and cheat and like listen to listen to uh, interviews with a guy to get the gist of his book, because most of most of the interview, uh, from what I heard, he talked about he was just talking about the publishing aspect of the book. He didn't actually talk about the book itself. 
What what I find remarkably interesting is uh, the selectivity of people that hate us that want to see the white race wiped out. They will use, they will cite the Iceman inheritance, but then they will completely forget that he followed it up with chosen people from the Caucasus. (laughs) Right. You know, like, like it's like, yeah, I was really I was talking about Europeans in the first book, but you know, I got really much more specific in the second book. Oh, whoa, no, 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 we don't want to hear about that. We'll lose our money. Mm. Well, <laughs> you know? it's, it's still available on on Amazon. So It's not that, that true. it's not that damaging to them, you know what I mean? It's kind of like um you know, he still has a YouTube, monetized YouTube channel, so he can't be that doing anything that important. Mm. No, he doesn't act with this guy's dead, he's, I guess. He's but, clearly yeah. not as dangerous as Nick Fuentes. <laughs> oh boy. That's all. So all, what's, what's his show. basic uh, premise of the chosen people from the Caucasus then? What's the, um, is that what's, the, the Khazars were descendants of direct descendants of Neanderthal who became the Jews. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, one thing I do want to bring up uh, with Bradley specifically in this book, um, and it's it's more my specific issue. I don't know about you guys, but I find a lot of his writings spurious just due to the fact that he, number one, he relies on rabbis for a lot of his Jewish history um, and just kind of takes it all, but relies on them too for uh, language. Clearly, this guy is not a linguist in any sort of way. Doesn't really seem to have much of a grasp on linguistics, um, even basically. And a lot of his translations, transliterations, his cognates are incorrect and very, very juvenile. Um, So it just comes off as a very juvenile piece of work in that regard. Um, It throws off a lot of his especially his two uh, Jewish origins chapters. Was it uh, Images of Glacial God and the Khazar Conversion? Um, I mean, what do you guys think about that? I, I've been harping on language as a very, very important part of any study, and I feel like this really pokes a giant hole. Well, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you, but you know, I, I go back to the fact that I feel like he wrote both of these books to impress his black friends. And like, I, I'll, I'll cite his afterward. Um, he says the major hurtful lesson for African Americans in the Rodney King affair is oh, not God. simply that white society and that white police who protected are needlessly brutal because of Neanderthal ancestry. I think that most progressive blacks know that they live in a culture of violence, uh, but an even worse realization that even the spiritual, religious, and judicial concepts of white society, all originally articulated in basic form in the Old Testament, are fundamentally against and unsuited for African-American rights and aspirations. So he goes on to say that um, African-Americans must forsake the white man's social structures, concept of justice, and yes, even religion, and return as far as possible to genuine African values and identity. Like he, he almost says, I, he, I, I mean, well, he, he almost is getting bass right there. Says, He's getting yeah, bass. I was about to I'm say, like, yeah. you know, I'm, all, I'm starting that. to like this guy a little more and more. Mm. <laughs> Self own. Yeah. As it's, I said, temp- temporarily embarrassed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is. It is interesting. Like it, it literally is 
a schizophrenic piece of work. He just flip flops so much like that. It's it's crazy to me. I had trouble. Like I I blew through both books right because uh, I really thought that uh, six months ago we were going to be doing the show like uh, right. five months and three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but like uh, as I was reading, I was like, wait, is he is he agreeing or just bringing this up? Like, how does this make his point? It doesn't. Mm-mm. Like, there's just so there was just so many inherent contradictions in both books, and uh, I was just I was just hoping at the end he was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just hoping he'd say, I don't know. <laughs> That's the book. It's a, it's That's the end. That I I like I shut it very angrily earlier and just kind of threw it on my coffee table, pulled off my glasses, and was like, you know what? Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this, I don't. I don't agree with a lot of this guy's stuff, but he does. You know the whole. You know, going back to Africa. I mean, you know, hey, I'm not going to disagree with that strategy. Um. Huh? <laughs> no, but you guys are right. He's um, very schizophrenic, right? Not writing style, but just the whole the, the stuff he goes back and forth on, on the, in the book. It's really weird, and he does he does do the sexual thing. You know, in the beginning of the the chosen people, uh, he talks about you know how white man's the sexual drive is akin to animal dominance, and it's just you know talks. I about feel like how, he's kind of like this the Sigmund Freud of like Neanderthal. He's like trying. It seems like he's trying to be. Oh, and he talks about the Chronos complex again. That's one of his first books. Was like the Chronos thing, part one. The Chronos complex, <laughs> part one. Uh, I shudder. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to read that. Yes, this is the definition the author presented. Oh, that he calls the author. He calls himself the author. Uh, the author presented in the Chronos Complex in 1973, and then expanded in the Iceman Inheritance. He talks about himself in the third person. All right. Um, well, he, he says that. he says that the Iceman Inheritance is not anti-white, and Chosen People from the Caucasus is not anti-Semitic. Both books exist as a marshalling of facts, which is that that's the same shit. All these people always say mm-hmm. whenever they're whenever they're pushing anti-white uh, uh, ideology, they're like, right. "Listen, we're just we're just giving you the facts. You're not like a science denier, right? You're not like a you're not like a facts denier, you know, <laughs> denying science." Mm. But you know, here we go. And Rabbi Ibn Aron's retranslated and annotated passage from Genesis. Another, yeah, this guy quotes rabbis constantly. I don't know. I'm a hard time with this guy. Yes. Yes, there were many of these portions of. Oh, Neanderthals created God. Okay. There it is. There it is. Neanderthals created God. I forgot about that. God belongs to the dominant Neanderthals, and God is obviously biased towards them. Yeah, I do do agree with that. Yeah. No, I I mean, I think that that, that religion is probably the. In part of the Neanderthal inheritance of uh, the whole and world. in all religion, being oh, spiritual, oh, being spiritual, yeah. I mm. think that they're, 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 the way they lived their lives was probably much more, like I said earlier, much more supernatural. And uh, but they probably had very real experiences as well that we, that 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 most people around the world couldn't even um, have now through you know that they that most people are just chasing these experiences these par- these sort of paranormal supernatural experiences but um look at things like ley lines they ley lines uh, 
probably something that that Neanderthals were quite comfortable with. If you look at where all the Neanderthal sites are located in Europe, they they actually line up into a a spiral that centers itself um, in some part of France, and then all these sites. Um, it's a guy from a French um, invest, a French researcher called Rene Guinon. I think is is that his name? Am I thinking the right guy? It's, that name sounds at the, very familiar. At the turn of the turn of the century, um, might not it might not be that. Let me just look him up. Um, uh, but he had uh, examined all these sites called um, with the end of the the end of the name was Alais, so Calais or. Hmm. Um, Basically, they all turned out to be ley line sites in France and, you know, in England. We've got lots of places that end in ley as well. And um, uh, Champs-Élysées and all these sort of uh, Elysian fields. Hmm. So these these um, these places were possibly all old, you know, prehistoric uh, sort of um, uh, pilgrim sites for... The Neanderthals, and that's where they find lots of um, altars and things like that. Neanderthal altars, and then you find lots of uh, prehistoric worship sites in these towns and places that have got Alais in France at the end of them, or Ley in England at the end of them. uh, So Neanderthals definitely had a religious, some sort of spiritual religious understanding of the world. We can see that from, you know, what he left behind. Okay. I'm not sure you'll know the answer to this. Uh, is there any connection drawn between Neanderthal and um, either things like fairy rings or ringed uh, monuments or dolmens, which are like the, the two stones and the, uh, sorry, two stones lean against each other and the, the hmm. third stone atop, on top. They're mm. found all over uh, Europe, the Middle East, uh, a lot through Northern Europe. Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be something similar. Is that they're placed on, on um, you know, points of um, of magnetic interest or something like that. Mm. Because what what they've what they've what they've um, found out about the, the have you seen the the pigeons with the where they found the beads of magnetite in the in the front of the pigeon's skull that helps them navigate. So they've got tiny little pieces of 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 magnetite in their skull. And uh, when pigeons, no homing pigeons, fly over <laughs> uh, sites where there's a, a, a large iron content in the ground, such as iron ore or something, it puts off their their homing sensors. Huh. So, so they're sensitive to um, you know to um, iron deposits, say fer- ferrous metals in the ground, um, and that all, all Neanderthal was the oldest miner when they because they find um iron ore that's been mined by neanderthals that goes back you know hundreds of thousands of years so they were mining red ochre and that's what they find them buried in they find them buried in pockets of red ochre in the ground so they dug a big hole in the ground and then they covered the they filled the ground the, the hole up with red ochre and then they buried the body inside the red ochre and they're always facing hmm. west as well the bodies are always facing towards the west lying on their side um so yeah, that's something that's rituals. something that's only Neanderthals, right? The east-west alignment on yeah. the side. So, so it's, again, it's possible they're aligning them to some kind of magnetic mm-hmm. um, line, and that they may have had magnetic sense sensitivity um, and and the ability to do things like dowsing, 
you know, so which is something that we only see a few people able to do now. But back then, it may have been something that was just part of their life that they could just, uh, you know, they had to a- access to these what we'd think of as paranormal abilities mm. that were just normal to them, and that was part of their world, you know. And so, all these sites that are laid out where we see um, churches built on top of more ancient prehistoric worship sites and we you know we find bear skulls inside caves where they because the neanderthal european neanderthal worship the bear so they had lots of bear skulls and um items made out of bears and things like that you know so yeah. um they they obviously had some kind of understanding of 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 the world that, that we that we sort of grasp now but it's been it's been more formalized under under Europeans really has become a little bit more rigid, a little bit more controlled, you know, mm-hmm. got certain taboos in place that prevent um, investigation of some aspects of the paranormal through religion and things like that, you know. Right. No, that but makes that was, sense. That makes sense. I mean, they, they limit that. And it's, I mean, I've, I've always heard that, that like kids, <clears throat> excuse me, kids have the ability, still have some of these, sort of uh paranormal abilities that you grow out of as you get older yeah yeah uh, beaten out of you i suppose by yeah the, beaten by out of materialism exactly. right right well and um, i think there is something to uh ancient europeans even non-neanderthal um that had ancient connections to their land and had understandings of certain places um, places either they wouldn't go they would stay out of uh, they had an understanding that certain places didn't belong to them that there was something else there um and of course in our european now modern age of reason quote reason and control um you know we've lost all of that we've rejected it and now Mm. of course you get the controlled edgy satanist wiccans um god i know you shared one of my tweets of the the terrible tiktok satanists oh god Um, that's what it all amounts to at this point yeah that that tweet that really bad that tweet was bad and it triggered one of our one of our listeners really bad (laughs) and that was bad and we we're sorry and you're it's okay reinhardt won't do it again um anyways got man sorry can i just make a make a um a correction it was um xavier guichard was the person i was thinking of who who plotted out the um the ley lines that they're all centered around um, LA in France. Okay, I recognize the Rene Guignol name. I think he's yeah, the guy he's who writes else. all the stuff about Jews. He writes, yeah. I think he wrote uh, one of the uh, Something to Zion books or Yahweh to Zion, I think. I'm trying to look. I can't see it from where I'm at right now. <laughs> it's, I can't, I can't if, see my Jew bookshelf. So. If people want to look up Xavier Guichard, that's the one. Uh, yeah, he's, he was the author of Eleusis Alicia, which was the book where he laid out the right. the theory on these ley lines. Jack, write that down. I don't know how to pronounce. I don't know how to spell any of that. So no, it's it's French. I, I'll, I'll put it in the chat. Okay, cool. Right on. Well, Gus, thank you for coming on again, man. Uh, it was fun. This was last time. You thank definitely you. have to come back for more stuff. I know you you put out the videos. Um, on your YouTube channel, I just saw the newest one. What's the last one you just put out? Mm, that's a good question. Hold on. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. 
We just want you to shill your stuff, man. Come on. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's bass treble and the uh, hybrid mind. It's about the uh, the roots of um, of music and things like bass and treble and how the left hand plays bass and the right hand plays treble and how these these things relate to different cultural aspects of music. So bass music is generally more Neanderthal um, people that listen to bass and rock. You know, it's actually called rock because it's actually grug music. So it's called rock music. You know, Ouch. And then bass bass so re- music, because bass is very low. Bass means low and, and sub and under underneath something. So in the hierarchy of music, bass is lower, which is where Neanderthal sees himself. And then treble is the melodic line. So European music is all about melody and bass around the melodic line. And um, all of, as I said earlier, our music is, is we, we write songs about war where we won a war, you know, and it's all melodic and triumphant and bombastic and all the rest of it. Well, now I'm having a little bit of a crisis here because I w- I'm a left-handed drum and bass DJ. <laughs> there you go. You, you just, yeah, there's lots of yeah. He's like, he's like, I don't even know where to begin with you right now. Uh, yeah. So Left, left-handed is Neanderthal, so you're, right. you're, you've, you've got a lot of Neanderthal. Okay. No. Oof, oof, oof. Don't believe it. All right. All right. So they can find you on YouTube at Got Ancient Wisdom. And yeah. Yeah. I should find it that way. Yeah. And where else and can Twitter, people find you? Um, bit, bit shoot for anti YouTube people. Um, brand new tube. Gab. I got on Gab. I don't know. Is anyone on Gab? I've got 12, 12, 12 followers. I'm following. I have an account that I haven't used since like 2016. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a strange place, Gab. Yeah, but, it is. Yeah, if you're on there, I'm on there. All right. All right. Thank you for coming on. We'll have you back Thanks again for, for sure. All right. Thank you, sir. You want to just hang out for a little bit? Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, cool. Right on. Uh, you guys, I got a, a, a message from somebody on Facebook who doesn't agree with uh, the biblical cosmology. Uh-oh. Yeah. Do you guys want to hear this? Okay. Yes. Okay. So she, she says, are you aware of all the proofs of sphericality, which are known since the ancient world? You know, stuff which anyone can observe and which doesn't involve claiming that all the evidence is digital Photoshop and has been faked. Like the way that the moon sets on its back in the tropics, but gets progressively more upright as you move away from the equator. I've been in the tropics and I've seen it. Sickle moon sets on its back. Here in England, it sets at an angle, solid evidence that you are standing on a surface that is curving. I've heard the claims by flurfers about why things disappear below the horizon. I've listened, and they simply don't make sense to anyone capable of reason and who has ever looked at an object on the horizon, especially through a telescope or binoculars. Oh, sorry, I forgot that the lenses digitally edit the image. Wow, someone sounds mad online. Yeah, someone sounds very mad online. She's literally wrong with the uh you know that flat earth debate that 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 british guy i love that guy linked me to i wish we had a uh i wish we had a sound drop of him saying tell me what the fucking coriolis effect is you muppet (laughs) (laughs) he's awesome he's awesome but anyways so let's go back let's go through her comment here and where the way the moon sets on its back in the tropics i've never heard that before what is that even what is she even referring to there? But the horizon thing, the, the telescope and the camera lenses, they, those things don't lie. 
and the stronger your lens is, the sharper it gets pulled back into view because it is not going over the horizon. It is just going out of the range of um, was it of your perspective? Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm actually got David Weiss's flat Earth that pulled up, and like one of the yeah. first uh, proofs that he gives is ships over the horizon. I mean, right? Ships over the horizon is absolutely provable. They don't go over anything. There's nothing to go over. They go into the horizon. Um, what I wanted to ask uh, this person is, how does that work, though? Because if you use a telescope, then it's actually going to prove that it's not going over the horizon. It's just that you can't see that far. I want to know the thing about the moon setting on its back. I don't. Is it like the so it's like so it's like a dinner plate and it's leaning backwards? So you're you're admitting that the moon is flat. Is what I'm getting from this. Is that my, am I? <laughs> Huh? No, that sounds galaxy brain to me. Right, right. And then let's go back. I'd like, yeah, the rest of it. Uh, those are the only two things that she she gave me for proofs. But sphericality. Well, you did say she. Yeah, is that a word, Jack? I I don't want to. Yes, thank you, God. Yes, flat moon, sphere, Earth. Great take. That's that's interesting. <laughs> That is interesting. <laughs> that is really interesting. Uh, Jack, seriously, look up sphericality. I want to know if that's an actual word. I don't think it is. I could be wrong. But I, I promised this person that we would talk about this comment tonight. And like, if you're going to come with proofs, those aren't proofs. Just letting you know. And she goes, and she says, you see, you demonstrate why no one will ever take you seriously. I offer proofs and all you say is you are wrong. Okay, refute my proofs, but you can't. Because you can't. All you have is just your indoctrination. Or it's all Photoshop. But that is all you have. I'm not laughing at you. I'm trying to get you to understand the scientific method and the conclusions which derive from its application to the evidence available. You know, next time she says, this is why no one ever takes you seriously, you need to drop that screenshot of how we hit one million downloads. Boom. Yes. Also, sphericality is a word, I guess. Okay. Whatever. It's a word it I didn't. Sounds unprofessional. It's, to me. Yeah, it doesn't sound right, and I've never heard anybody use it. I've taken several geometry classes and other mo- like I did some modeling on the three D modeling, and like there's no. I've never heard that anybody use the word sphericality. With the lack of veggies in my diet for like three or four days, uh, what I produce may have what you would consider sphericality. <laughs> We are getting to the end of the show. All right. Oh, boy. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. Well, and here's the bottom line, Johnny. We've done episodes with, or an, an episode recently with a real biblical cosmologist who provided proofs and right. explanations. Right. Obviously, this so, person has never listened to the show. And, right. Yeah. And um, we're not being taken seriously, especially me. Nobody takes me serious because, you know, I don't have proofs. All right. We are going to get out of here. I don't have any creepypastas left in the folder, so I don't know uh, what we're going to do about that. Maybe we'll have Jack read us one, but we will have something for you at the end of this. Make sure to check out our Telegram. It is t.me slash present. Also, our website, paranormies.com. Uh, you can find us on The Right Stuff. And you've got your Telegram there, Dogbot. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, t.me slash uh, chupacabra underscore kennel. Get inside the kennel. Check out uh, rants and 
random thought passings that I might may or may not have. Yes. Thought passings. Jesus. <laughs> and again, campfire. Uh, excuse me, around the campfire. The first episode was just released. Check it out. That's on paranormies.com and on our Telegram. Uh, anything else we need to shill before, you know, as our, as our grifting goes our way out the door? Oh, yeah, because we, do, we make so much money from all our grifting. So much you know. money. And we're going gonna, gonna, we're gonna to be able to, f- to get you that ice scraper this week, DV. I already had, you know what? I already had a fucking ice scraper in the car, and everybody was just like, "Whoa, where'd you get one of those?" I tried to get one, and I'm like, "Man, I've had this thing for three years." Right. Ice happens. Right. (laughs) Right. But not apparently not in Texas. I just heard somebody say something about there's a Reddit thread where people are posting all the bad stuff that's going on, and like none of these houses actually have insulation in them. I said, I don't believe that because no insulation keeps it way too hot in the summertime too i'm just gonna say at the rate that some of these two-story mcmansions that have uh backyards hardly big enough for a chupacabra to take a, a leak in uh the, at the rate some of these neighborhoods went up mm. i wouldn't be shocked that they're that they're falling apart under extreme weather oh no that i believe i believe that they're those mcmansions are put together the they're very shoddily built they're terrible and they're built by mexicans and it's just bad but yeah, to, to not have insulation at all, I don't, I don't believe that. But anyways, all right, we are going to get out of here uh, for Reinhardt, Dogbot, Jack, and myself and Gott. Uh, we'll see you all later. Time travel makes you gay. The doctor pulled the stethoscope ear tips out and hung the device around his neck. Mr. Weatherby, all of your tests have come back negative, and my examination shows nothing abnormal. Adam knew what was coming next. I'm not crazy, doctor. I'm sorry, but there's no physical reason for why you occasionally lose control of your hands. A psychologist can help. I don't need therapy. I need answers. They seem to have a life of all their own. I can't hold a job. I'm under investigation for assault. I almost killed my neighbor. This can't go on. I'll try anything at this point. After two weeks on a new medication, Adam saw no progress and grew increasingly depressed. He was convinced that despite what the doctor said, it was not a psychological problem. That night, a frustrated and angry Adam sat in a chair and drank bourbon. Drunk and hopeless, he stumbled to the garage and started the table saw, then slowly lowered his wrist toward the screaming blade. Detective Armstrong entered the garage where several uniformed officers stood over the blood-soaked body. So what do we got? He asked. Taking in the blood-spattered scene, this is a weird one, detective. How so? Take a look at the body. He apparently chopped off his hands with a table saw and bled to death. Armstrong knelt down. And? And we can't find his hands anywhere.